Hey, this is Parsha with the author's leverage. And if you're an author, especially a nonfiction book, and you are looking for opportunities to do more with that work, I'm telling you the path lies into really making what you've created in that book actionable. And so today I have an industry expert who's going to be joining us to give us all the deets on what it means to really create that path where your readers can easily, easily take action. So thanks for being here for the author's leverage. Let's get into it. You're listening to The Author's Leverage. You've written a book, you got it published, and you know you can make a much bigger impact with it than you already have. Maybe you're in the process of writing and publishing and want to be smart about how you help others and make more money while doing it. Welcome to The Author's Leverage Podcast, your guide to building a profitable business and changing more lives with your published work. This is the number one show that brings you tips on making you a more successful author from the very best experts around every week. Our mission is to help you blast through the noise and get you clear on your path to success as an author. You'll be equipped with practical tips and insights from host Parshel Tashi and her featured guests. And you'll leave each episode more excited, more confident to get that dream authorship life that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and get ready we're about to get real. We're about to clear. And from here, the sky's the limit. Here's your host, a former school teacher turned creative media entrepreneur and now founder of The Author's Leverage, Parshel Tashi. Today, I want to introduce to you an, an amazing human being that I've uh, had the privilege to connect with recently. I'm blown away with just her passion for learning and teaching. So I'm excited to introduce you to Nina Everflow. Let me give you a little bit about her so you understand who's coming to the table today. So Nina Everflow is an industry-recognized e-learning expert with a 15-year in career in training, virtual facilitation, and instructional design. She supports leaders across the large, across large and small organizations in developing meaningful learning environments for behavior change. Through her learning design agency, Everflow Consulting, she supports authors and purpose-driven leaders develop clear, compelling, and results-oriented educational solutions through an inclusive lens. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Authors Leverage. Woo, Nina, so glad you are here. Thank you. It's a joy to be here with you today. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Uh, I know, as I shared, I, I'm a teacher, so I come from that background of education. So tell us a little bit about yours. Yeah, I kind of stepped into this space um, with not that intention. Um, my graduate school and academic background is in international politics. I thought I was going to be a State Department ambassador. Um, and that was really the, the eye on the prize that I had in my 20s. Um, but I stepped into this space of like, in the beginning, it was international education. It was like exploring when foreign exchange students come to the US, um, the types of experiences that they are having to improve, you know, either their academic or professional life life. Um, but what I was more curious about was the cultural experience that they were having with being in the United States for many of them for the first time and what that 
um, kind of layer of uh, growth and challenge was having and influencing the way that they were learning and being able to really um, hone in on some of those new uh, experiences and personal development growth and expression. And so that really, I think, sparked this create this uh, curiosity in me to be like, what is going on there when you have that intersection between someone who's passionate about learning and growth, right? But then they have this really, really intense kind of cultural moment and intersection. And, um, and how does that kind of either contribute or derail in some instances, right? Or like reaffirm or like really, you know, kick yourself on the ass in terms of like, who am I? What am I doing here? What do I stand for, right? All those values kind of questions. So, um, so th that got me really interested in this space of uh, leadership development, what later became uh, going towards corporate training in leadership development. All of that shows up. Right? The internal, the external, um, all of this definition of what I what I value, what I stand for, um, how can I inspire people, how can I create change, whether in my organization, in my um, where I'm leading, you know, people, or even in influencing people online in my family unit, in my religious community, right? So it's just like really this this space of like where we really get to grow up in a sense um, and show up of who we really want to be. Um, and so I've always been really curious about how do we create nourishing environments for that, uh, to be in that space with one another and to really um, create roots in self-reflection and then take new action. Um, and one of the things that I think is so, so powerful about training adults is that they are motivated to show up differently. They are there to see themselves as this vision that they have for themselves. And so they're just like, yes, I'm going to do the inner work that I got to do to take the next step, whether it's in my career or in my profession or in, to make a name for myself in the industry. Um, and I love being with folks who are like that motivated and passionate, right, to see themselves and their lives kind of transformed. Um, and so that's why I created my agency to support authors, visionaries, business leaders in really creating uh, inclusive and transformative learning experiences and environments that really move the needle on people in a deep way, right? Can really create and hold space for them to reimagine themselves differently and then support them along that journey. Um, because I think that is really that critical piece that moves us from a teaching moment to a training moment. And those are the ones that are most excited to build. I love that. And I love how you describe just that intersection between, you know, someone who really, really wants to do something really passionate about learning, but then that, that, un, you know, uncertain space that they're going to encounter, which is still part of the learning process. And I think, Absolutely. To, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in that moment, especially when someone has what I feel like just that spark of wanting to know something, wanting to grow in something oftentimes start with, starts with a book. Mm -hmm. It starts with the book, right? That's the first sort of engagement of, okay, I'm ready to do this. Um, but then once we start to, because I think what the book does, it builds up that excitement. It paints that picture. It paints that vision. Allows yes. you to connect with it from a certain place. But what you're describing, that intersection is where you and I like to operate. Like, how can we create uh, these experiences that are really going to tie that together? So what are the most important factors for you that come into play when creating um, a really smooth experience for learning? Like what are some of those core mm -hmm. factors that have to be in place? 
Yeah, I think what you're naming is so important, right? So one of the first pieces is just clarifying the intentions around a book or the intentions around uh, the keynote talk or whatever else, right? What got people to the space like that, those channels or tools aren't so much the thing that is going to create the space for change, but they are, like you said, the inspiration, the spark, the motivator to be like, oh, this is possible. It's possible for someone else. So maybe it's possible for me, right? It gets them going towards or in that, in that um, direction uh, so that they can reimagine, right? The, the, the version, the next version of themselves. But then that next stage, I really think um, when we're identifying the path that most adults go towards beyond that motivation, beyond that initial spark, is then it's really risky business to do something new, right? So then you're challenged by, but my whole history of being an adult tells me I should not be taking this leap. <laughs> A, B, and C, right? Like my whole family history, my cultural history, my financial reality, right? Like all these data points that are being like, uh, I don't know if you really need to be putting your energy and intention in this space. You should probably do it somewhere else, right? So we have to like face all of that. And so one of the things that I love to do with my with with authors that I work with when we're creating courses for their books is to really identify what are what are the realities that your learners are facing, right? Like, can we name some of those so that we understand not just their motivation for taking this program, but their challenges? What are the things that are going to trip them up? What are the things that they aren't thinking about that we need to be aware of so that when it happens, um, we have a a, a net in, in essence, right? A safety net to kind of help them. Uh, they're going to fall down. So how do we help lift them back up again to try again? Um, and so that, that space for um, practice and iteration, I think is so, so important so that we're naming, we're, we're creating opportunity for them to not only um, understand some of the, the motivational factors, um, but also the challenge factors, and then also what is going to help them take um, take that momentum and go again and again and again, uh, because that's really how learning happens, right? It's not just a one-time, I've seen so many statistics around corporate training, none of the one-time events kind of learning opportunities, right, really create sustainable change. They, they just don't. That's not what the research says. What the research says is that social engaged learning supports adults in creating uh, sustainable change, as does micro moments of learning over time, mm -hmm. right? So small mm -hmm. drips of information, small drips of practice opportunities over a sustainable or over a, um, uh, a defined time is really going to help them, right? Create those habits. Because really when we're thinking about it, your brain has created all these neuron pathways about old patterns and behaviors. And learning is really that moment where we're asking our neurons to switch off and reconnect with something new. And you can't just do that once. You have to do it hundreds, if not thousands of times. So as many times as we can create in a learning program that we're gonna lean towards something new and something different, uh, we wanna give that to them in a way that's fun and repetitive. Absolutely. And I love that because it speaks to habits, right? Habits are so important to how we learn. And with a lot of the, the, the subject matter that we're taking in and consuming, it's like, it's not just that it just comes into your head. It's something that has to be in practice. You have to build up this habit 
So that way this area is always being maintained with the best practices that you learned. Mm-hmm. And, and you make a good point too, when it comes to the fact that this is adult learning, right? Most of us are speaking to adults. And right. I think even for myself sometimes, because of, you know, my experience, I mean, I was uh, in the school system, teaching in, in the school system. There are a lot of things that definitely translate over to adult learning. And there's some things that, that don't. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious from your perspective, like what are the, the most important uh let's say aspects of teaching adults that sometimes is overlooked, right? We forget that <laughs> we have attention problems too, for example, right? Like that's one thing that comes to mind. I'm like, I feel like my attention span is worse yeah. <laughs> as an adult. So, so yeah, uh, speak to Absolutely. the, you know, speaking to teaching to adults, like it's so different. Mm, right, right. Yeah, I, I come to this work because I, I really entered it from focusing on adults. I've never been a classroom teacher for young people, um, but I've, been, you know, um, my professional career has only been around uh, what do adults need? Working adults, right? Like, so in professional roles who are super busy um, and su- and have a lot of pressures and responsibilities, uh, particularly when we're thinking about like managers and leaders of organizations, um, these are people who are both responsible for process and people. And those kind of pressures are, you know, very unique in terms of like comparing them to kids, right? And so you want to show up for people and you also have to figure out new solutions for whatever it is that you're working on. So um, so I think one of the things that I find really helpful is like owning our cultural identities and creating um, creating roots in, um, in getting supports from whatever our cultural heritage can um, present to us, right? And so so one of the ways that I like to, to lean into this is to do this kind of cultural gathering or assessment. Um, so as a Black American woman, I often hearken to what um, nourishes me when I'm in moments of stress or change or having to grow in ways that are un- uncomfortable, right? And music does it for me. Mm. I turn on some music, different music types for different moments. And I feel energized. I feel connected to my heritage. I feel inspired by what my uh, ancestors were able to provide for me and the dream that they had for me to be a leader in the ways that I am right now, right? Like those kind of ways help us own the, the, the bigness that we are so that we can take this next step um, into the, the next version of who we are. So I think like owning our heritage, owning our roots is, uh, can be really inspiring and motivating uh, for that process of uh, change. And I also think one of the differences in teaching adults is that they're you really, I, I get to have like really interesting conversations about motivations, right? So like kids don't really get a choice in a lot of ways when they have to go to school. And um, unless you're a homeschool parent like I am where we are kid centered and so he gets to choose what he wants to dive into, but still the broader choice about school is already been made for him by the adult, for my son, by the adults in his life. Um, mm-hmm. But adults get to be, um, you know, get to have agency about what they want to get involved in. And so we like to dive into what is your motivation? Why are you trying to do this? And if your motivation, one of the channels of your motivation is financial, let's lean into that. Let's really like 
you know, um, dive into what does that mean? What are the numbers that you're trying to hit? What are the ways that you're going to invest in order to make more of that money on the other side, right? So we really get to identify where can you have agency here? Where can you have um, really lean into your choice making in order to make this big leap, in order to, um, you know, uh, further motivate you when things get hard, when things um, are stressful so that you can continue to get all the way through. I love that. And, you know, it's you can't really go there unless you know who you're talking to, right? Knowing this, your audience. This, knowing, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, even, even like you said, when someone of this cultural makeup or, you know, ethnicity, their background, what have you, once they go to approach something new and different and scary even, what is going to be the, something that's... And so that just really goes into way more understanding and awareness you need to have about who you're talking to, who your audience yeah. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it still amazes me how many people, um, you know, set up potential clients come to me and, and want to build a course, want to make the huge investment and have very little data about who is actually going to buy the thing that they want to put out there. And, um, and there's still that, that belief, I think misguided that once you build it, they will come. I have not yet seen the proof that that is a reality in the marketplace today. So like you really need to understand who it is for, what's happening in their life, what's their background, um, and why are they motivated to take on this risky change? And why then, how are you going to prove to them that you are the person to support them in doing so? You've got to come with clarity about those questions um, before even beginning about okay, I'm going to build this, this container, right, of my expertise. Um, because 100%. building something, yeah, for a particular community uh, is just makes it better. And I think, too, like to even go one layer up, um, further is to say to be really specific. Um, and in that way, I like to say, like, not all courses are for all people. Like it's not an everybody kind of party. It's a very detailed, you know, the more detailed that you can get about they are a leader of a mid-level organization who is dealing with, you know, um, people resource limitations and they have, you know, elderly parents that they're stressed with at home, right? Like super, super specific to really embody like how your solution is going to serve that kind of person. A hundred percent. And how, how does this connect to, you know, how we can decolonize instruction and teaching and learning right now? Because that has to be connected. It has to be from, you know, creating from a place of, you know, empathy and really knowing and being able to connect with where people are. Yeah, right. So how, how does that connect? And, you know, other kind because that when, when you told me that uh, when we had our first conversation, it's like, wow, this is like so uh I don't know, to me, just groundbreaking in a way, because it's making learning applicable to anyone, right? And, and mm. making sure that everyone is successful with it. So how, how does, you know, this connect to authors who are writing books, and then want to create, you know, additional, you know, products or experiences, learning experiences for them? Yeah, yeah. I love this question. It, it just and I could talk about it for hours and hours, but I will not I will try to be succinct. So I think what I really, really want to say is for authors who have a book and they are 
considering right making this investment into a new kind of channel because a course is just a new version of right a specific element of the book and um and i know we were talking before about it's not the whole book it's specific pieces of the book that go into the course yes. and i like to say even beyond that it's about the the skills that you want to develop in another person that the book supports and exemplifies that they go into the course. So really we're here, courses are should be, from my perspective, about skill development. We want to change habits, change behaviors in order for people to get what they really want, which is the next version, right? And that isn't just lots of knowledge about your stories or your uh, examples. It's about how I want to shift those neurons so I don't feel depleted at the end of the day or that my relationships are thriving instead of feeling tense and uh, stressful. So a lot of the themes around that, right, are um are embedded in our beliefs around um colonization right so um in for those that aren't familiar with the term decolonizing anything really refers to the way that um the uh transatlantic slave trade created a consciousness really about the utilization of humans as cargo and that kind of belief that human beings are resources towards capitalism still very much exists today. We see that in so many examples, right? When we see unions yeah. getting busted and we see, you know, um, people just getting taken advantage of in, by corporations. And so I think in our learning spaces, we have the opportunity to start to detangle some of those uh, beliefs of that we live in from the larger society. And so one of the ways that I like to play around with this is, is just um, decolonizing our expertise. And that means that, yes, we have experiences. Yes, we have many years of uh, focus on a particular area, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean the people that you are bringing into your learning environment don't also have really valuable experiences and expertise to share. And so can hmm. we create opportunities for people to share among each other instead of being dependent on you to deliver content to them? Um, and so of course there's gonna be a little bit of that, but it doesn't have to be the dominant model that, you, that your course is representing. And so it's in really creating these more communal and more uh, reciprocal types of learning environments, you see, you begin to see the network it be, uh, builds and strengthens, right? Instead of being this didactic from you to the learner, it's mm. now from learner to learner, that learner to you to that other, right? And so there's all these other uh, ways that we then build relationship and respect and our own individual expertise enhances because of that. And so there's a very clear way that you design with that kind of model, as opposed to the more traditional one-to-one uh, one, um, one, one kind of model. So that's one way, but there's so many ways that we can decolonize the way that we think that we have to own certain resources, whether they come from our brain or not, um, where the ways that we um, attempt to individualize learning or the ways that we attempt to um, just kind of hoard it, right? And so where it kind of feels like this power um, dominance uh, that happens in the classroom. Uh, so, so the ways 
I, I think the practice is this opportunity to uh, really push against those old models and show up with more trusting of people. Again, adults, right, are going to show up in the ways that they want to show up to get to that next version of themselves. So you can trust that. You can rely on that mm -hmm. as the instructor. Um, and to move towards, I think, more of a facilitator model where you're holding space for what unique thing is going to emerge, right? And not being the one that has to control and nitpick about how it has to emerge. Wow. I love that. I mean, I just was going to ask, I mean, when it comes to teaching, how does that evolve? Like, how does that also have to change? Because it can't be just the, the traditional, because when you said that, I saw a person in front, rows, right? As mm -hmm. opposed to something more like a circle. Yes. Um, just even that, yes. th those things come to mind. And you're Absolutely. right. It makes for a much more powerful experience when it comes Incredible. to, to yeah. teaching. So now as a teacher, I don't have to Exp, you know, fully explain so much. It's like really a lot of the explanation is going to be best coming out of their mouth related to their experience contributing mm -hmm. to, you know, a prompt. Like I love, yeah. like that's, that deepens everything. <laughs> yes. Right. I really think so. So my mother is a professor at a university. She's been most of my life uh, a teacher. Right. And so very much trained in the description that you just said. She's in the front of the room, rows and rows. You know, she teaches psychology 101, right? So everybody has to show up and be in her class. And um, and for a long time, we would have these debates about like, why can't you change? Like, <laughs> you're <laughs> perpetuating harm on these students, like teaching <laughs> to this model and stuff, right? She's just like, and she exists within a university system with certain expectations. All right, I get that, I get that. So, so in this space, I really think like with our courses, um, particularly in the entrepreneurial space, we really have a lot more flexibility, right? We really have a lot more freedom and we don't mm -hmm. have to follow these models just because that was our experience of university or that was our experience of corporate training, um, that we can really move the needle. And just like you said, it deepens the experience, not just for you, but for ev every person, right? In that space, they come away with whoa, I've never been in a learning environment like this. Whoa, like I'm actually going to remember that story. Wow, that one brought me to tears, that moment, that storytelling exchange, right? That wouldn't have happened if the instructor hadn't been like, okay, now we have the remainder of our time together and I just want to see what y'all what y'all got. What, what, you, what can you add to what we're exploring here? What's been your experience? You have to give space and time for that. And you have to be okay with silence because it's still so new for so many of us, right? To be mm -hmm. given that agency that we get to be responsible for our own learning in that way. And so people, yeah, are going to be like, why, why, why I have to be <laughs> on the spotlight, right? So you, you just give people time <laughs> to adjust, but then they will, they will show up. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, this is uh, such a good conversation. Clearly, we could go on and on, especially on different ways to, right, just create more deep learning for people because that's just such a, it's a passion of mine. Um, but as we start to wrap up the conversation, I would love to hear what you're up to for the new year, what you're excited about uh, coming forward in 2023. I mean, I see the the tree in the back. I see you are ready for the season and then <laughs> New Year's coming, right? So <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about that and where people can reach out to you if they want to connect. Yes, yes. I love this time of year because, I mean, winter in a lot of ways um, 
you know, has folks, has me slow down, take stock, do a review, right? And make those next visions or uh, goals for the new year. So what I'm excited about in 2023 is really um, being able to be a partner for people's messages that are seeking to create revolutionary level change, right? So whatever industry you're in, whatever um, sector of society or uh, in the globe, really, right? There are so many issues facing humanity right now that we that's, that people already have solutions for, but they just got to get them out into the world, right? And that there are solutions that are homegrown. There are solutions that are people-oriented, right? There are solutions that are respectful of the environment. So I want to support those kind of intentions and um, and get those out into the world so that can, we can really create a... Um, a human society, a human family that is healing from all of the destruction that so many years of colonization and excessive capitalism has uh, waned itself on us and on the planet. Um, and so some two of the ways that I like to work with people around that is I offer a learning design uh, intensive. So over the course of two weeks, we have a couple of brainstorming sessions so that we can move from ideating right on your solution to a process and a clear outline and curriculum suggestions that we can really come up with, you know, what is the practice opportunity here that we really want to center on so that people can lean into that risky business, can lean into that new behavior change, and that you as the instructor facilitator can hold space for all of that. So we can just do, talk about talk it through at a high level. Um, and then my agency, Everflow Consulting, also offers full uh, self-service um, uh, course design and development. And so we can take, go further to, to build it all out uh, for you. And, and I love being able to be, you know, overseer of the details, but not involved in all of the details. And I think for a lot of folks who have written books, they too are, are part of are similar in that way of just like, I want to see the vision unfold, but not necessarily type every word like I did <laughs> already. So um, I like to be in on that journey and look forward to connecting with any folks who are interested in that space. Uh, you can connect with me through my website at ninaeverflow.com. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I love that there is someone else in the space who is supporting authors in this way. That's why I knew that this would be such a good conversation. I'm like, we just have, we, we were just going to do it. And I'm glad that we did. Absolutely. So I appreciate you so much yes. uh, sharing your wisdom and insights today. And one last question I'll ask you is what is your one word? If there was one word from mm. Nina Everflow to the world. What would that one word be as a message? I always lean into my last name, Everflow, which is something that my partner and I created after we got married. And for us, it means trusting in the ever-flowing abundance of the universe, that they got your back, that your visions can become your reality. Um, and that is certainly the word that I want to gift out to everyone who is in my space, that it is possible, you know, what we intend and what we dream into this world. Um, and that inherently nature, the universe, is good, is good for us and wants to support and see us thrive. Um, and I very much believe in that. And so that would be the word I would offer. 
I'm going to write that word down. <laughs> Such a good <laughs> word. Thank you again, Nina. So, so glad that we were able to do this today. And for those tuning in, definitely uh, if the, anything that she said resonated, I highly recommend a conversation with her and just connecting with her, staying in tune with her. Uh, she'll definitely be back, hopefully on the author's leverage again, uh, to share some other uh, insights with us. But uh, Nina, again, thank you so much. It's thank just you. an honor to know you and be connected with you. Uh, it was such a pleasure. Thanks again so much. Yes. And for those tuning in, thanks again for being here. We will see you soon. You've been tuning into the Author's Leverage Podcast. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our latest guest appearances and receive the best of the best strategies on successful authorship today. And be sure to connect with us and with today's guests using the links below this episode. If you're interested in turning your bestseller into a premium and profitable online course, head on over to our website and schedule a call with us today. Until next time, remember, publishing creates credibility, but products create cash. You can repurpose your book as a learning experience to make the impact and the income you want as an author. We'll see you on the next episode of The Author's Leverage.